It's time to transform your life through knowledge, creativity, and mastery. Delivered on the Focus 7 Daily Podcast with business expert and marketing guru, Lisa Fredrickson, you will hear interviews with some of the most thought-provoking mentors and professionals on a variety of topics. And now, your host and favorite learnaholic, Lisa Fredrickson. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to today's adventure. I'm Lisa Fredrickson, your host and incurable learnaholic. In this episode, we'll be discussing Femvincible, the Unstoppable Mindset, a self-defense program for women, with the remarkable Cranford Blackman, creator of the empowerment-based training program Femvincible. Welcome, Cranford. We're so blessed to have you here with us today. Thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate you having me on. It's great to be able to talk to you and your listeners. I look forward to what they're going to learn today. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you a question about a situation I got myself into when I first moved to Vegas. It was a fall day, a bit cloudy. I was lost in an unfamiliar part of town, not a good part of town. And then my old boat of a car broke down. I wasn't really concerned. After all, I did most of the work on our cars mechanically. So I got out, opened the hood, and started looking for the problem. I must have been concentrating pretty hard because all of a sudden I noticed that a six-foot-two muscle-bound guy had come up behind me. I didn't even notice him until both his arms were locked onto my car frame, pinning me, placing his face inches from mine. I could smell alcohol in his breath, and his actions hinted he was high as well. Talking into my ear, he said, hey, pretty lady, and proceeded to tell me what he was going to do to me. I'm not going to tell our audience what happened just yet. But my question is, should I have spent more time learning martial arts? Here's what I would say to that, Lisa, and it's a good question. The thing about martial arts, which I don't teach martial arts, but one of the reasons right. I don't is because martial arts and self-defense techniques and things like that are actually a response to violence. Okay. So they take, you use them once the violence has begun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in that situation you were in, if he's already pinning you to the car, the violence has begun, but okay. there's so much that will happen before that an increased level of awareness, understanding what to be aware of, recognizing how to hear your intuition and to get your intuition to tell you the things that you want it to look for. There are so many ways that you can see that coming before it gets there. And that is the key to prevention because preventing is so much easier than fighting your way out of a situation. Six two muscle bound guy, that's that's going to be a tough fight for anybody. And if he's <laughs> yeah. if he's high as well, he may not have the sensory perception to feel pain. So yeah. to be able to avoid that much earlier is, is is easier and safer and easier to learn. Why do you think that we have this idea of? being safe behind the shield of martial arts versus other approaches? I think it's because of media. I mean, we watch the movies. We can see a girl who is 
four foot nine and weighs 87 pounds if she's soaking wet and she can beat up six guys who in the movie all know when to fall down. They all know to stay down. And it's just so prevalent. I mean, I appreciate all the new movies that are coming out that have women as the lead. That's great. That's wonderful. Right. But it is a challenge when they're showing women beating up or taking down men twice their size. And that's yeah. just really not what's going to normally happen, except in the movies. But that's what everyone sees all the time. I found a quote by Michael J. White. He's in several movies as a martial artist. He's in Spawn and some other superhero movies and things like that. And there's a YouTube video and he says, your biggest weapon in any self-defense situation is your attitude. It's your mental state. If you do not make a mental switch, you can learn all the techniques in the world. But if you don't have the mind set together, your situation suddenly turns into a life or death situation. So what I'd like to know from you is with all the experience you have is one, tell us some of the background that you have. And also two, why is it that a martial artist is telling us that the mindset is really the most important aspect of this. And, and I know that this is what you teach. So I'm trying, I, I want our audience to know why this is a true statement. Okay. I'll, I'll do number two first. <laughs> the reason mindset is so important this is one of the things I fill my programs with is what you believe about yourself, what you believe you're capable of, what you believe a predator is capable of, because our bodies are very loyal to what we think. So when, you know, it's sort of like the placebo effect. If you believe you're going to okay. get well, you generally get well. If you believe you're going to catch every cold that comes around, you catch every cold that comes around. So it's the same when your body is facing a dangerous situation. If you believe you can't get out of it, your body will support that. So no. So what I'm hearing from you is that whether we have martial arts and all the things that go with that, and we get in a situation, that situation can kind of overwhelm us right? You and bet. take over. And then we've told ourselves kind of pre-programmed maybe. Right. And the other challenge, I'm not saying martial arts are bad. I'm not saying self-defense no, forces. We're are not bad. saying that. But the challenge with that is there's a lack of reality in the training because you're training with your friend and you don't kick uh -huh. your friend as hard as you can. You don't actually try to break your friend's arm <laughs> and your friend yeah. won't do that to you either. So as you're training in a comfortable, supportive environment, all of a sudden, when there's a person who's willing to actually injure you mm -hmm. and not stop, or maybe has a gun or a knife, or there's two of them, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, your brain's in a different place. You get into that place of fight, flight, or freeze. And one of the challenges with going into freeze is you're now asking a person who is trained in a sport or in a very comfortable, supportive self-defense program to face something they've never seen before. Right. And that's a person who's really willing to hurt them. I, I have a friend who uh, was a Marine, and she's just an incredible lady. She's done mm -hmm. self-defense training. Of course, she was combat trained in the Marines. And after all of that, 
she was attacked and she's had Uh it happen to her twice. And she told me when that happened, all of her training went out of her head. Oh, wow. Because it's an entirely different experience when a predator is about to do whatever a predator wants to do, as opposed to training that is controlled. And even as far as combat training goes, one of the reasons I won't teach combat techniques is because a predator doesn't attack a woman the way one man attacks another. Excuse me. Uh So in those combat skills, they're teaching how men fight men who are ready to fight. Uh But that's not what happens when a predator has picked someone he believes he can control and manipulate physically and psychologically. That's a whole different situation altogether. So without that understanding, without that knowledge, even if you have all the skills in the world, when you're facing something completely new and a threat that is far worse than you've ever experienced or ever considered, all of a sudden your body goes back to a place of, I'm prey. That's all I am. I'm a victim here waiting to be hurt. And I hope I can survive this. As opposed to going, wait, I'm not going to be a victim in this. This guy just stepped up to me. He stepped up to a warrior now Uh because I know what I'm capable of. I know his weaknesses and I can level the playing field just through knowledge. And from what I'm gathering from what you're talking about, that means then that if I'm younger or I'm older or I have any type of different things going on uh, physically, that this still applies in terms of being that proactive self-defense and it doesn't involve having to have strength or agility or other things that you're talking about. You can be defended or defend yourself and create protection without having to have all of these things that seem a little daunting. Like for me, going in and grabbing a martial arts class just doesn't seem uh, feasible at this point in my life, but I would like to be protected. Yeah, you're exactly right on that, Lisa. You know, one of the key things that you have to be able to do if you're studying martial arts, you have to be healthy enough that you can be kicked and hit in the practice. And you Uh also have to be strong enough that you can hit hard enough and kick hard enough and hold someone tight enough for those skills to work. So they're incredible for sport training. They're incredible for building confidence and they're great for physical fitness. But how many women are there in America around the world who can't do those things? And that means regular women. Most people are not ready to take on combat arts as a hobby or as a self-protection system because it takes years of training and it takes the strength and the flexibility and the techniques to do it, which we don't see on the movies. We see somebody learn two techniques and all of a sudden they're a ninja. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to finish the story just so that I don't keep the audience too much on the cliffhanger here. And by the way, this did happen to me. This is a true story, not just a made-up story. So I found myself in the, in the position I was in, and I knew instinctively somehow not to fight. But I also knew I needed to stall the situation until I could figure out what I could do. So I acted like I was having a normal conversation with him over pizza 
and asked him if he had a car. He said he didn't and then entered some more sexually pointed comments. Although I was shaking like a leaf, I ignored his crassness, kind of tried to wash it away from my mind and tried to get him distracted. I told him I thought the problem was the alternator, but could be the battery. I started having these mechanical conversations with him, even though he looked like he didn't understand anything I was talking about. And I was praying the whole time and talked like that for nearly 15 minutes, maybe more. I mean, I don't know. I lost track of time. Anyway, his body language told me he was beginning to relax. I asked if I could try to start the car so that we could go somewhere fun. And he was suspicious, but he let me get into the car. And standing by me, he blocked the car door and pretty much any chance of my exiting. So I couldn't go that direction. But by a miracle, my old boat started up and then I asked him to shut the hood. So he went around and he just shut the hood. After the hood slammed shut, I quickly closed the car door and locked it. He slammed his hands on the front window with just vicious anger. And then he grabbed the door handle and was beating the side door on the driver's side until I could speed off. Everything in my whole body was shaking and, and unnerved, but I, and I could hardly drive, but I knew I was finally safe. So my question is, what did I do right and what could I have done better? Well, first of all, cheers to you. You get an A plus on what you did (laughs) because you didn't attempt to go muscle to muscle, you know, your muscle versus his, maybe something you learned in a class versus his years of being a seasoned criminal. And I did have a screwdriver in my hand because it was either a screwdriver or a wrench. I have to tell you, some of the things went kind of blurry in between what was going on, but I just, for some reason, I knew that trying to to stab him or things I, I knew that because he had alcohol and he smelled like he was high I I was kind of thinking what if you know I stab him and it doesn't do anything <laughs> and I'm really in trouble right right so no you did a great job to be able one of the key things to do is to try to reduce the amount of fear that comes through you to to okay. keep your presence And the reason that's important is the way our brain functions, when we're thinking clearly, we have executive function that happens in the front part of our brain, Uh right behind our forehead. But when you experience a lot of fear, that energy will move from that part of your brain back to the fight, survive, save yourself area. Now, that means all of a sudden... You can't make clear decisions anymore. You've gone down to the most basic options of fight, which maybe you have no idea how to do, or run away, which it sounded like he had you in a spot you weren't going to get to run away. No, couldn't get away. Yeah. So your staying calm really gave you the ability to keep thinking clearly. And that where you started speaking to him and continue talking rather than being confrontational was terrific because one of the key things that any woman can do to a guy who is aggressive or abusive, or maybe just a not very nice guy is to get into their head because it doesn't matter how big their body or their muscles are. If you can get into their head, you can move some things around and change the energy of what they're doing, just like you did. You felt him relax. 
you know, part of what you did was become a person to him. It's yeah. easy to attack somebody that is a nameless, faceless, nobody. Right. But you made yourself a person in front of him. So it was already more difficult. And even so, as a front guy, you gave him direction and asked him for help. And this is something I truly believe. Every guy, good guy or bad guy, has a place inside of him. He wants to be somebody's hero. And I'll tell women, you can turn to any guy and ask, hey, I need your help for this. And our hero gene fires up because we want to be a hero to someone. So you did a, you did a great job. I mean, that's like a case study of the right things to do in that situation. Hi, thank you very much for that. I hope we can point out to some of the women after talking to you and going back through the scenario when I was writing it up the other night, I'm imagining, well, what could I have done not to get into that situation in the first place? What would you say to that? Because I'm feeling from you in terms of that self-defense is don't get in a situation in the first place. All oh, right, right. Avoiding is so much easier. And probably the key thing to do is to focus on your intuitive skills. And so many women have been laughed at or poked at or had women's intuition made fun of that they put it down themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's understandable that men who don't, okay, I'm kind of broad stroking this. Most men don't even believe in intuition and think it's woman's thing. It's not a manly thing. Although when we do it, we call it gut instinct. Yep. And then it's masculine and awesome, you know. Yeah. <laughs> gut instinct. Yes. Right, right. right. <laughs> women's intuition, all of a sudden it's very feminine. But it's an incredible power that every human has. And it is built into us. It goes through all of our senses, through our energy network. You know, because our body uses energy, anything that's electrical has an energy field and it can respond to other energy fields around it, whether it's electricity or communicative energy, anything like that. So, but to just learn to use that and to listen to it and to not let it get in your head that, oh, I'm being silly. Oh, I'm being dumb. What if he's actually a nice guy? That system is in you to be safe. And it, can actually, if you work with it, and it's one of the things that I teach people to do is how to get your intuition to be switched on, even when you're not paying attention consciously. So you're working on your car's engine, trying to figure out why it's not working. You were zeroed in. That's where your focus was. Yeah, I wasn't even noticing that I was, I mean, I knew I was in a kind of shady part of town, Mm -hmm. but it really hadn't sunk into me until the situation afterwards. And then I was I was looking back at the the place where I was and I was thinking, gosh, you got out and you just like dove in without looking at your surroundings. I don't even know where he came from. I really don't. That's how unaware of my situation I was at the time. I just was like, darn, my stupid car just (laughs) broke down and, you know, fritter at her. And then, and I was just concentrating so much on, well, I better get out there and see what it, I wonder if it's this or that. And, and so everything else was just blind to me. Blank, wasn't it? Right. Right. To be able to, even as you're pulling over to look around, even if Mm -hmm. you're not sure what you're looking for, that extra activity of looking a little more, listening for a moment, you know, yeah smelling what does the air smell like i mean if it if it smells like there's a pot party going on 10 feet away from you that's yeah. something worth being aware of right 
even if you're not sure what kind of threat you would be looking for, that mm -hmm. couple of seconds of looking around, smelling, listening, gives your subconscious, your intuition, a whole lot of active information to work with now. Yeah. Because once you got out, if you knew what it sounded like around you normally, then yeah. when somebody was walking up, it'd be much more likely your subconscious, your intuition would pick that up and say, hey, Lisa, you might want to turn around and see what that noise is, yeah. you know, which could allow you to get in the car, lock it, call 911 on your phone. Yeah. Because of movies, I believe dangerous myths can be perpetuated about women's self-defense like we've talked about. But one of those myths is all women need to know is how to kick a guy in the balls. I mean, that's one that's kind of perpetuated pretty heavily. Do you have any idea what would have happened possibly if I had done that type of maneuver? Uh, I mean, I wasn't in, in sort of in that position. He was like right there very close to me and I could have turned around. I was facing the car. I never did turn around. I just talked to him that way. I didn't want to turn around. Right. But but if I had turned around and, and kicked him, do you think that would have been very successful? I would say chances are it would not have been. Yeah. And one of the reasons is, I mean, if it works, it works great, you know, yeah. but as much as guys would like you to believe that that's a huge target for you to take a shot at, it's not really. <laughs> you know? yeah. And from the first time that we've been hit in the groin by a kickball or whatever, as young boys, we have practiced and practiced every time something gets close to us. And all it takes is a little bit of a hip turn or a little bit of a movement of your thigh so that yeah. you can't get that good kick in. The other thing is I've, Again, I go back to the fact that he was on alcohol and I'm pretty sure he was high. Mm. So I'm not sure he would have even felt it totally. Right. You know, in my program, I teach the majority of it is avoidance and escape. How to make yourself a really bad target so that a predator looks at you and goes, I don't even want to mess with her. She's too much of a problem, too hard to get to, whatever. But the final portion is a what to do if somebody actually gets their hands on you. And being real close to someone like that, while terrifying, is actually very beneficial to you, the woman, because that? everything that is important to him is within arm's reach, his eyes, his mouth, his nose. I mean, you, you don't think of a nose, but that's the body's breathing holes and the body will respond hugely if you start affecting breathing holes, I mean, think of if a fly or a gnat has ever got in your nose and your body reacts, you can hurt your own neck trying to get a, a, a gnat off of your nose. Yes, definitely. You know? But everything is suddenly close to him. His neck, his throat, his stomach, his groin, a kick to the groin might be very difficult, but at the same time, your hands are, are close enough and you had a screwdriver or a wrench, which all of a sudden gives you even more power there to use. Use of metal in your hand is great. So there are a lot of things you can do that it doesn't matter if they can't feel the pain. You know, I've mm -hmm. experienced that police and fighting with a guy. Right. I see PCP. your point. So you're saying that even if you couldn't feel the pain, if I'm obstructing something like a nose, then he can't breathe and that's going to put him situations. So. Right. And, you know, not to reach up and hold his nose like he's a swimmer, 
But no, no. <laughs> if you had a screwdriver and just went ahead and pushed it up into his nose or his whole body would react. Yeah. This is without using his executive function because this is a survival response when things are happening around your eyes or your nose, or your mouth or throat. You got to push a pencil or a pen or a screwdriver or a wrench into somebody's mouth or nose or eyes, their yeah. body will immediately respond by trying to get away from that. Yeah. So that's part of back the up. instinct yeah. they have that you can learn to use as a woman, regardless of how much bigger or stronger that guy is. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the parking lot type scenarios, but I also know the purport that martial arts is kind of a one size fits all type thing for self-defense, but aren't there more situations that women face that don't just fit neatly into the creepy guy following you in a parking lot scenario? Yeah, a lot, actually, you know, it's, I think the statistic is over 80% of women know who their attacker is or their abuser. Mm -hmm. So that makes a big difference because first of all, he's not approaching you looking threatening at the gym or in the road or whatever. If it's someone you already know and I teach the same thing with firearms, I'm not an anti-firearm guy. I've been around in my whole life, but mm -hmm. even if you're a, a person who carries a firearm is well-trained in it, but all of a sudden it's your best friend's buddy or brother who's doing something. Now you have the psychological challenge of, am I shooting my best friend's brother? Am I going to use this great martial art? I know that breaks arms against my best friend's brother, or maybe it's against my spouse's brother. Uh -huh. uh, so there's an extra level of psychological challenge that goes into being able to do the things you need to stop them. So there again, we have another challenge with martial arts, even if they are really good martial arts, am I okay breaking his fingers, hurting, dislocating his shoulder, poking him in the eyes or shooting him? Yeah. Well, and, and everybody imagines that when they're in that situation, even with a familiar person, we've become so angry that we would do whatever it takes to survive. But don't emotions get in the way more than we think they do? They do. They definitely do. And the things that you've learned in the past, what you've heard about yourself, what you've believed about yourself because of what you've seen on media, maybe you've had an unpleasant experience with parents, your own parents or boyfriend, spouse, whatever it is, you know, we take those things in and believe them. And if we don't look at those and shine light on that to prove them wrong, they will show up at the most awful times ever because it's what you truly believe about yourself that's hidden inside. So yeah, that emotion will show up. And I, there was an incredible story about a lady. I tell the story in my classes. She was an elderly lady. Guy knocked on her door and she had a, a storm door, you know, it's a little screen door. So when she opened the door, he suddenly started trying to come in, but the screen door was locked. So as he went to try to break it, she just stood there with the door open. And he came in, got through the door and assaulted her. Mm -hmm. So when the police got there and thank goodness she survived the attack. Yeah. She told the story and the police said, so you were standing there with the door open while he was trying to get in the screen door. And she's like, yes. And they said, well, why wouldn't you just slam the door? 
her her answer was, it's rude to shut the door in someone's face. That thing she had learned her whole life about being polite kept her from doing the simplest thing that could have kept her safe. Can this also help women in what I would call kind of a half consent, half assault situation where you're not wanting too many emotions or making you go to a situation where it feels like you're being assaulted, the half consent, can your invincible help us in those situations? Or is this mostly for self-defense and it, aggressive? It's not just for aggression. This is prevention that takes place before you've even been targeted. Uh, okay. It's one of those places where if say your spouse's buddy does come into your house and he's you know, found you to be attractive and he realizes his buddy's going down the road to get more party supplies. It's that place that you learn enough about yourself, what you're capable of that doesn't require strength, speed, special techniques that allows you to have the fire inside of you that says, no, you don't get to do this. And it's going to be worse than you ever thought if you do try to do something. Mm -hmm. I, I love the idea of thinking that the women I teach become the nightmare of a predator so that <laughs> when he grabs one of the women that I've trained, they will never forget that day. And hopefully it is seared into the predator's brain that that woman did not look like she should have been able to do what she did to me. And then he's afraid the next time. Yeah. You know, that's one of my hopes, but yeah. So it's, it's that knowing yourself, you know, one of the things that I explain is that as far as martial arts and firearms go, that self-belief, self-worth, and self-reliance will stop more violence against women than martial arts and guns combined because a predator is looking for weakness. Right. If you don't exude weakness, you're not a good target. And a lot of people don't recognize what it is they do to exude weakness or to show that they're afraid or to show that they're feeling incapable. And I say feeling incapable because it's my honest opinion that most women have the ability within them to stop a predator of practically any size. I mean, even if they're on a crutches, even if they use a wheelchair, even if they have rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. it's possible there. So yes, it can be used in those seemingly passive spaces too, when there's not an attack fully going on but it's uncomfortable. And the whole thing is for a predator to see that woman, to see you and go, it's just more than I'm willing to deal with. She's going to be too much of a problem. And that's the best outcome of all. That's good. I know that we had talked that you have experience and I know you have experience in military law enforcement and terrorism response, which is going to make you a powerful trainer because of that background. But, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're a guy. So what gives you the ability to provide this type of proactive, emotionally based self-defense training to women? I mean, what makes it so that you can relate to the woman who's in the situation and have you had anything in your life that makes it so that you've understood the victim situation? 
Yes. Well, that was a whole bunch of questions all at once. <laughs> it was. Sorry. I know I shouldn't be giving you a lot of questions like that, but then the, the next question just kind of fell out of my head. But anyway. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I've heard from women in my courses are that when they go to a class like a martial arts class or self-defense class taught on a base or at the sheriff's department or whatever, and thank goodness for those guys teaching those courses, a lot of times the instructors are so militaristic or so aggressive because it's what they're Rambo. trying to <laughs> Right, right. But it ends up being so much that the women are afraid to engage in the course or it triggers something that's happened to them. That's the reason they're there in the first place. You know, someone right. was aggressive and scary and hurtful and dangerous. So one nice thing is I'm not like a drill sergeant. <laughs> this is good. Uh, but the other things that you mentioned, yes, I am actually a survivor of childhood of sexual abuse. Dad trafficked me, the abuse that my dad put me in. My sister was trafficked. So sad. And so, yeah, I, I get it. I understand what it is to be helpless, to have no way. To, and, and of course, at my age, there's no three, four, five, six-year-old who's going to stop an adult. Right. But if there were an adult around that had the capability to help, maybe yeah. they would have. Because my abusers were men and women. So yeah, I, I totally get that. And not only that, as I started thinking back on the women friends I've had, the majority of them have been assaulted, including my mom, including my wife, including my daughter you know, the majority of my friends have. And it shocked me to realize how much that happens. I mean, the male half of the population, it just doesn't show up to us like that. We don't realize that. I, I read a statistic that said the majority of women spend about 40% of their day in fear of what's going on around them, whether it's- Wow, that's a lot of time. Lot. I, yeah, yeah, I know. And I thought that was my thought exactly. I'm like, that seems like a lot, half a day. So I asked around. My wife said, yeah, that's about right. The other friends I asked, yeah, that's about right. And it just infuriated me to think that while we men walk around generally immune- you know, to this kind of fear that there's women everywhere that spend over half of their day worrying about what's about to happen to them. What's this person walking up going to do? Am I in danger now? Can I even walk around the corner to put the garbage in the trash can? And that just mm -hmm. infuriated me. Yeah. That, that happens so much and so consistently. It, it does happen so much and so consistently. I mean, as you've said, many women are victims of some type of unpleasant situation. And I have actually had experiences in that as well. And most of the women that I talk to and have helped even get through those situations, it's surprising how many. And we won't go into it, but I'll briefly mention that I know that there's more that happens to young boys and men than is said. And we'll see where that goes in our society and how we uncover all that. Because I think there's just like you, we always assume that it's just a female problem. So it's, it is immensely comforting to find somebody who is teaching women this type of self 
defense situation who can empathize with the feelings that we would be feeling. Before we close, is there anything that you would like to to tell our audience? And uh... I would suggest, uh, you know, I, I want every woman to be safe. It, it really is my belief that when women believe in themselves more, the men around them will have to become better. You know, we will have to live up to what it is we're supposed to be living up to instead of getting away with things that men usually get away with. Right. But to look at yourself and check some of those beliefs you have about your own weakness, about your own fears, about the invincibility of men who may be predators or abusers or traffickers, because they are still just human. They have frailties. They, you would be shocked at how easy it is to put a human body, regardless of his size, out of commission so that he can't even get up to come after you. To understand that those powers are in you. You might not know what they are right now. Mm-hmm. But to start looking at yourself and tell yourself, you know, that I am capable. I might not know what power I have yet but it's in here. And just start believing that. And one of the simplest things you can do, this is such an easy thing to do when you're out and about, look up, look at the people around you. Don't look away from that guy you're uncomfortable about. Look right at him. Let him know that you see him enough that you can describe him. You know, that doesn't mean a look up and down like he's, you know, Tom Selleck. Well, Will your audience know who Tom Selleck is? <laughs> yeah, we're we're 45 and above. I'm pretty sure okay. there's a few there. <laughs> you don't look at him like you look at Tom Selleck. You know, it's like a up and down, I'm looking to describe you look. Mm-hmm. Because a bad guy wants to be unseen, unheard, unrecognizable, and uncaught. Yeah. So if you already, if he's aware that you're aware, and if he's aware that you've looked at him enough that you can describe him. You just went into a list of, she may not be the right person for me to mess with. Right. Because if she gets away, she's going to describe me. So the major takeaway is practice looking everybody in the eyes and and be confident in that way. Right. And you don't have to look at them with an angry, I'm going to get you look, but a calm. (laughs) And I'll give you one more really simple thing that's psychologically based as well. You know how a lot of times if you're looking across a room and you meet eyes with somebody, maybe it's a handsome fellow and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at a good looking guy and he's looking at me. What do you do with your eyes? You You go down. That's right. You (laughs) drop your eyes. And psychologically, and this works in animals too, well, animals besides us, that when you drop your eyes down, it's actually an act of submission. Submission, yeah. I didn't even think about that. It sure is. And it's just something we do automatically. So a thing you can practice doing is if you happen to lock eyes with somebody, look away horizontally. Just look to the left or the right. There's no connected to that. But to drop your eyes is automatically something that says submission. That's very good. Thank you for sharing that. If our audience isn't where you are locally, how can they get a hold of you? And do you offer services to people online? I do. Yeah. You can go to my website, which is femvincible.com. 
and we'll have that in the description for our audience as well. Great. And yes, I, I do virtual courses as well as in-person courses. Awesome. And whether it's a private course or a group course for a group of women or a church group or a homeowners association, it works. Oh. We can do it no matter where you are. Well, Cranford, we sure appreciate you coming on the show. Well, folks, it's that time in the show when we count our blessings for being together and thank the Lord for providing us with talent that enlightens the mind and inspires the soul. Till next time. Remember that life is an adventure teeming with majestic mountains of experience waiting to be explored and rivers flowing with wisdom, beckoning us to drink deeply from their cool waters. Thank you for sharing in our adventure. Stay safe, God bless, and have a wonderful day.